0: Hi, I'm Elvin. I'm CEO of Dr. Wealth. And today I have Brian from Forever Financial Freedom and Alex from BearProw. And the reason why I got them here today is because they have invested in the Chinese market. And we all know that now the China market has been in a rut. And there's a lot of like fear. And uh, because they are very invested, they are like, what, 70% invested. And my myself is also 60% invested in China. So we want to uh, give a little bit of our perspective why we are so much in China. And uh, you know what are some of the, the things that you can consider for yourself. But before we do that, I would also want to ask Brian, right, what made you go into the Chinese market in the first place?
1: Yeah, so for me, made um, for those who've been following my portfolio, um, I've mostly been in- invested in the Singapore market for the past like uh, a decade or so. Um, and I think it's only since last year uh, that I started looking out overseas. So uh, mainly U.S. and also the Hong Kong or China market. Um, obviously, China market is uh, very huge. Uh, I mean, if you look, uh, there's a there's a Morgan Stanley report which says that I think over the past 15 years, uh, they've returned an annual return of about like 15%, which is even higher than all across all the other regions, including the U.S. So I thought China was a market that is uh, worth looking into. Um, so I started looking at it since last year. Okay, so, so it's like the
0: first overseas market you really invested most of your money in. Yep. Can I say that? Yep. Okay. okay.
2: How about Alex? Uh, similar what, to Brian actually. I took the opportunity to go into the Hong Kong and China, US market uh, when the pandemic hit. So that's when uh, a lot of stocks uh, went rock bottom, right? A very good valuation. So I started uh, getting into stocks like Alibaba for example back then. Uh, mainly because you know, China is a very large market as we all know. It's the only developed country who is recording more than 5-6% GDP growth. So uh, based on that, right, the growth trajectory is going to be ridiculous for the next 10 years. So that's why that's why that China market. Okay. So basically
0: what they're saying is that they saw the growth in China and believe the growth story, right? And uh, personally, that's also what drew me into China. Um, but I got in earlier compared to uh, uh, Brian and Alex, uh, that was like about two years ago. I started to look at China, but was more into the HS, not so much on the big tech in China, uh, more of their very uh, conventional kind of businesses, their FMB, uh, you know, like their, their Soil Source, all these kind of businesses. And uh, it was also only last year where Alibaba first got caught in all these regulatory move, and the share price went down. Then I went into the big tech because I always thought that they were relatively more expensive. Mm-hmm. And any crashes like this always sounds like a very good opportunity. And um, I think the concern now is, a lot of investors have never faced this kind of regulatory uh, risk, especially when it comes to China, already a very pretty unfamiliar market, and there's a lot of fear that's going on, right? And I also want to ask Brian and Alex, um, what,
1: how, how do you see this regulatory risk in China? Yeah, actually for me, it's, uh, uh, still regulatory risk is not something which is new in China. Uh, in fact, uh, just in 2017, 2018, they have won quite a big uh, crackdown on regulatory. And then I think before that, even they, they also have a regulatory crackdown. And even before that, right? So so all along, China had, has been one which has always regulatory risk. Uh, but I guess, in, I mean, after the post-pandemic, uh, where, where a lot of people are putting their money into tech stocks in general, both Hong Kong and US, such as that uh valuation has been pushed very high. Uh, and when this regulatory crack comes down into play, uh, it crashed the share price down very heavily, 30-40%, that it kind of spooked the market suddenly. Okay, okay. And um, the
0: the regulatory risk is not new in China, as what Brian has said, right? Um but why is the market suddenly so concerned about regulation? Right? Because it has always been happening like what you said, but. Why this time round, investors are so spooked out?
1: Yeah, I think because if you look at the past regulatory crackdown, this it has always been um, uh, one or two particular sectors in general. But it, I mean, if you look if you look across the sequence of events happening, uh, starting last year from the N I P O, uh, you know, it just moves from one into another, uh, from fintech and then you have the uh, anti monopoly trust, you have the. Uh, social rights issues, the gaming uh, and everything else right? that follows. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, there's a lot of sentiments around the, uh, the ground that China is there to kind of crack down each and every industry um, and, and, and that's where I think a lot of people get kind of spooked by okay, uh, CCP is going to kind of control the entire China market which is not exactly the, the case. Okay,
0: well, what do you mean by it's not exactly the case? So you don't think that that is the motive of CCP?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, if you look across the, uh, the longer term motive of the CCP, right, uh, in the past decade, their, their goal has always been uh, uh, a China growth first, right? Uh, but if you look across the recent papers over the next decade or so, uh, their main goal was actually to grow or still grow, but at a sustainable level. And, and in order to grow at a sustainable level, it means that you have to take care of all your other so-called more like uh, your other smaller tax uh, companies as well as all the other social rights and and, and, uh, and the people in general in China. So that uh, when China grows, everybody wins.
0: Okay, so, so you are saying that the government wants to balance the market power not skew so much the big tech and, yep. and they want that small players to come in and have a space as well. Yep, okay? right. Which is also consistent with what US is doing, right? Just that China does it more successfully compared to the And Alex, like, so what is your
2: view on this? all these regulations? Right, so I think one of the reasons why everyone is feeling it now right, is because of the way the actions have come about. Meaning, there's been a lot of actions in the last one month, uh, very impactful. So actually, we started back with N Financials in November 2020, right? That one was like one action, and after that, it was quiet for a couple of months. And then suddenly, we have seen like so many things in the last, like one month plus, I you know from Meituan, uh, you know, Tencent a couple of times, uh, Didi itself as well. So uh, it's just that the CCP is able to take action very quickly. And then it's, it's a bit unfortunate that, you know, it just keeps coming, la, I guess. It will be a lot. Maybe better for some investors if uh, it's uh, slowly it comes in uh, piecemeal. Uh. Uh, in terms of regulatory risk, right? I guess also we can split in a couple of parts. A uh, couple of kind of risks they are trying to mitigate. So things like uh, social issues, uh, things like you know, data security, uh, financial fintech mm. or the financial industry issues. Um, they have to mitigate all these risks such that the country can slowly grow and grow in the right way. Uh. so uh, the way I see it is that uh, They're just trying to build a stronger base, better foundation, uh, before they move forward. What I mean by move forward, right? Uh, Look at the China 2025 plan, they've talked about things like uh, AI, automated driving, smart cities. So, if they want to go into that kind of uh, segment next, in the next phase, uh, surely they have to do something now to make sure they consolidate their base properly. Okay, so what I'm hearing from
0: you guys, right, is that you all still believe that the China story is still intact, right? Still intact. Um, and this regulation is more like a, um, to pause a little bit, right, to consolidate, to make things steady before they progress to the next stage of growth. Yep, okay, exactly. Definitely. And uh, on, on, on that note, right? Um, there are some people who believe that uh, that's not the case. Right? Obviously, and you look at, look at the internet nowadays, when people talk about China, it's a very divisive kind of topic. It's either people support or people don't support. Uh, investing in China. There, there are also people who come and say, yeah see I told you don't invest in China, right? All this risk that's coming and, and what the Chinese government has been doing has been like realizing people's biggest fear about China. Yeah. Right? So um um what
1: what do you have to say to this to, to counter some of these naysayers about China? Yeah I think uh, I think it's because of the recent crackdown. I think one of the, the heaviest crackdown was on the education sector. Uh, that one kind of just totally killed uh, the entire education, uh, private education sector in China, right? I mean, share price are almost down by 80-90%, uh, which is really kind of just push the boundary of, uh, of an individual investor. Um, I mean, regardless of any investment you are in, if you are down 80-90%, you are like almost given up hope, right? Regardless of, of, of what the uh, what the argument is from the other side. But I but I think if you really look across uh, uh, a portfolio from a from an overall portfolio China basis wise, um I think uh, some of the arguments are still valid. I mean in terms of uh kind of pushing China into the next growth of era, uh, trying to grow uh, and, and make sustainable growth together, especially like Alex said, gonna go into uh AI and yeah. all this uh, uh semicon industry and so on, um data privacy and all these things will become even more important. Not just in China but in the US as well. Um, so it's something which if the, the if the government does not take charge uh, into that right now, it's gonna just go uh, haywire over time.
0: Okay. Yeah, so that, that which means the level of the, or the degree of trust in China government differs from person to person. Right? Yeah. So then I would ask why do you have that high level of trust in the Chinese government? Maybe Alice of, can go first. Instead of <laughs> trusting the
2: the Chinese government, right? maybe you should trust uh, how the way the world works uh, okay. so to speak. Okay. in the sense that um, so the big companies like Tencent, Baidu, Alibaba uh, not only, only are they consolidating the existing segments they are also branching out into things like AI. Like, Baidu is into like smart vehicles, mm. and automated driving, Tencent is into smart city so, uh, yeah. and Alibaba obviously has uh, a lot of things going on as well like, uh, like sharing community buying that kind mm. of thing so these companies, right, they will definitely find ways to grow. Okay. Uh, definitely. Uh, the reason why I think right, I'm so invested into China is because like, definitely there will be uh, consumerism. People will spend money. people will buy. And companies will just grow together with the GDP. Mm-hmm. As long as the whole economy is doing well, uh, these companies will grow. And being a mega tech company uh, with profitability, uh, with a lot of... Uh, Infrastructure ready, ready. Uh, they will definitely be in the best position to grow. Okay, how how about Brian? What gives
1: you the confidence in Chinese company when there are so many people who say don't invest in China? Yeah, I think uh, definitely the risk with the uh, regulatory risk and and I mean if you are investing in overseas, there's always more than one risk that you have to look into, right? Uh, more than just regulatory, you have all the other risks that's going on, right? Uh, but I think if you if 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 we really look at the at the at the fundamental of the company, which is uh, which is uh, we know that uh, uh, currently uh, most Chinese stocks are beaten down, and hence they are undervalued by their relative fundamentals. Uh, and you look at the alternative, right? Uh, so uh, most people are saying that you should not be invested more than uh, 20, 25 percent in China stocks today. But if you look across someone's portfolio, they are like hundred percent into U S. Right. Right. And, and and personally I think US market does has its own uh risk. Uh don't want to go too much into the US market, but I mean if you look across the relative valuation and also relative risk uh into investing in China stocks today at this price, um your risk reward is not much better if you're investing in uh, US stocks. Right. Mm-hmm. You you might not get that sort of returns you are you are seeking out for uh, if you are into the US stocks right now.
0: Okay. okay, so you are saying that it's not about trusting the Chinese government, but it's about trusting the Chinese enterprises, right? That they are now worth a lot more than their share price is suggesting. Yep. And alternatively, there are just not many attractive investments, and the US has been breaking new highs and new highs, um, and you don't know whether you're buying near the top, right? Yeah. Okay. And, so and also,
1: given, uh, I think given that uh, this regulatory risk in China has uh, some sort of history going on, history books that we can we can sort of relate to, right? Uh, so this is not the first time where, where China just suddenly do a crackdown. It's something they have been doing all along. So I think it's uh, uh, if, you, if you play by the history book uh, all along, uh, things are going to come out eventually okay uh, mm. in, in a couple of years time. So uh, you have to really like just be confident in the government. Things might still go wrong, but you have to take in that kind of risk versus reward. So, okay. Okay.
2: I think to add on, what I've noticed is that the Chinese stocks and the American stocks have diverged since the beginning of the trade war in 2018. Right? So now what like I mentioned, the US valuations are really lofty, really very rare you know, companies like Tesla, they need to grow for so many years before they can grow into their valuation and there are other companies who may never go into their valuation. Of course they're also undervalued companies uh, but the China economy as a whole, stock market as a whole, has underperformed so there may be an opportunity where this divergence uh, shrinks or reduces and valuation catches up. So that will be an opportunity for people who believe in this uh, story. Okay, okay. And then the next golden question people want to
0: know, right, especially for those who are invested in China stock is, when do you think this regulatory risk will at
1: least simmer down? I think if you look uh, at the first regulatory crackdown, which is the end uh, IPO right on fintech, uh, I think it's kind of uh, they kind of sorted it, sorted it within like three to four months, uh, and then they gave a, uh, a a fine to Alibaba to kind of settle it, and then things move on from there. Of course, there are other um, regulatory crackdown on e-commerce, such as the anti-monopoly. Uh, people can no longer kind of restrict merchants. In order to uh, put in their platform and then a little bit here and there but but i think those are minor which is not really gonna kind of hit their fundamentals and valuations strictly so i think uh, eventually the uh, this entire regulatory credit will, will move on uh, our lives will move on their lives will move on uh, and these businesses which are impacted by the new regulation uh, will comply and eventually they will transform um, and, and, and move on with the, with the entire new regulation. Okay.
0: So you're saying that it should die down three
2: to four months later? Around that. Around rate. later. Okay. Okay. Um, How about let's While I wouldn't give a timeline, <laughs> I would say maybe also about that kind of time frame, but I think more of what to look out for. So um, these things, uh, they come with like regulatory crackdown first, and then subsequently they may come with like positive news. So maybe things we can look out for next few months might be uh, potential acquisitions, mergers, uh, not just globally but uh, locally, maybe it's not just Tencent acquiring some, someone in the UK but maybe some local company as well. So if that goes ahead, that's a good sign. And Another thing to look out for maybe is the CCP, the CCP might start uh, saying positive things about the tech companies, uh, bringing back the project, the 2025 China plan where they uh, talk about you know smart cities again, stuff like that. So. And once you can see the kind of theme change, then you know uh, the government is changing from crackdown, uh, moving to more of supporting these companies for future growth. Uh, these kind of crackdowns also tend to occur when the Chinese economy is doing better, uh, so it's kind of counter cyclical. And we know that the Chinese uh, GDP data and the PMI data are not that great nowadays. So I fully expect uh, China to start stimulus or maybe cut the reserve uh, rate couple of months, so all these things may point to uh, China uh, releasing the stress on this uh, regulatory crackdown. So I think that's what we can look out for. Uh, Personally, I really think maybe three months to four months. uh. So um, you're you're saying
0: that because of the economic pressure, that the government now has more incentive to lessen that kind of regulatory pressure on the companies. Um there's also talk in the internet, right? That they're giving the viewpoints that um China is doing all this because they don't want their their population to skive. The oh. younger generation, right? I probably you heard of that theme that you know, why they crack down on education because they are they are they are studying too hard, why they crack down on games because they are wasting their time, they should like I don't know, train for ping pong or, <laughs> or what. Right? So uh, uh, there are some talks that say that oh, they are moving into they, because they want their they, they want to advance their technology, especially their hard tech, right, hardware technology ahead of US. Um, if you get in one sector, probably it's the semiconductor because they are always behind, and and that that all the blacklisting is really hurting them quite a lot. So, do you buy the argument such that you know they are regulating
2: all these consumer technology companies? I think it's more because the consumer tech has evolved a lot faster and uh, better than the hardware tech. Like what you say is right, Semicon is like two years behind. Uh, and then uh, they don't have things like AI or uh, automated uh, driving yet. So I think what the Chinese government trying to do is to build a base and then move forward. Uh, no doubt they have already declared their intentions to invest a lot more in the hardware tech. And actually we, can, we do see uh, the tech companies going into that direction as well. Uh, so yeah, that's why given time, uh, the big tech will definitely uh, do what the government needs. Okay. So you're saying they're reading them back a bit? Nah. right? Yeah, in that sense.
1: Okay, yeah, Even I think the recent uh, M&A for, for NVIDIA and ARM, right, uh, mm. there's a lot of uh, behind speculation that uh, the Chinese government is trying to block the entire deal. Mm. Because it's such an important, um, strategic kind of uh, uh, place uh, for them, and, and in the event the MNA and uh, takes place and Nvidia uh, brings back home, uh, I mean in terms of political wise, uh, US versus uh, the China, it might bring it might give US a, a very big advantage um, over China in this in this part of the segment.
0: Okay, okay. So you think that is a possible reason, right? But that's not the only reason, okay. And in terms of like your Personal bets, if you can review, right? What are some of your biggest positions in China?
2: Yeah, I mean, go So I have uh, Tencent and Ping An. Uh, Tencent, being because uh valuation is low now, I think P is about twenty, and uh, so Tencent will release their first half results on eighteen August. I think what we should look out for is whether they can continue their revenue growth. So what I've seen so far is that Alibaba who uh, announced a couple of days back, they have like thirty four percent revenue growth. If exclude Sun uh, at their acquisition, I think they have 22% organic growth, and a lot of that is coming from all the other segments. So, uh, this actually reminds me of uh, how Google used to be as well, where they uh, were focusing on the other segments and were able to uh, push that out. Uh, so, why I'm into Tencent is also more because, of firstly, valuations, uh, secondly, they're actually pretty much like what people say they're an ETF, they have 600 over investments globally. So, even if China growth growth in China slows down, uh, we, will, we should expect the growth uh, overseas to continue, especially because that's also in the Western world, where right? It's supposed to be uh, you know, doing better as compared to China, in that sense. So that's why I got into uh, Tencent. Uh, also because Brian got into Tencent, I guess everyone got into Tencent, right? So we just joined in. Uh, Ping An, uh, I think it's quite easier as uh, in the sense that the current P is about seven. Uh, it has fintech, so it has uh, arms like Lufax, arms like One Connect, and uh, of course it has insurance. So I think, if I'm not wrong, China's uh, general population is considered underinsured as compared to uh, other parts of developed world. They're about half. I think I saw a data saying they were four percent or something like that. So with time, uh, we would expect uh, that to grow as well, and of course, uh, China being China. Uh, when an insurer gets funding on my premium, they can put that to good use and get uh, high returns. So that's why I got into a premium.
1: Okay.
2: How about Brian?
1: Yeah, so for me, it's uh, almost similar. Yeah? I guess uh, the Alibaba is my yeah. top positions, uh, along with uh, its competitor JD. Um, JD is also because it has a, a, a kind of much longer runway growth, uh, and they have a lot of uh, segmental, uh, like JD Logistics, JD Health, which, which kind of propelled them into more future growth so that's on the e-commerce side uh, and then the next one will be tencent so tencent is something which i just uh, added like quite a lot uh in uh, uh since this uh um, the recent capitulation so so back then when when uh when uh the regular re- regulatory crackdown on alibaba was first announced i think tencent was still pretty high right it wasn't really affected it was still trading above 600 and there was really no much value to, to to kind of look at, and it was only like the last, the past what three two three weeks yeah. when uh, when when suddenly uh, a lot of gaming regulatory crackdown plus the, the Tencent WeChat thing um, sent Tencent into a territory which I think it's very uh compelling a uh, buy uh, because if you look across the, the entire Tencent ecosystem, uh, not only they have the entire WeChat ecosystem uh, that's undervalued but they also spend their entire uh, free cash flow uh, that they generate every year into new new investment businesses. And these new investment businesses are actually worth like uh, easily 2.5 billion on the market cap alone. Uh, so if you if you just add this up, uh, it's just incredible that um, the market is actually discounting uh, 10 cents so much um, given. Uh, what I thought was uh, a pretty minor regulatory crackdown on Tencent's uh, impact. Okay, so, yeah. so you, you
0: are saying that the share price has overreacted to yep. the, the degree of the crackdown. Yes, yes.
1: There, there, there will still be, I think, valuation impact, right? Because uh, Tencent is invested in so many businesses yeah. like Meituan, uh, JD, and a lot across all, more, like Tencent Music and so on, that um, all these crackdown will have an impact on Tencent's valuation. Uh, but if you look across the relative, which means the share price has been hit by so much more, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, uh, I mean, history will tell us that usually uh, the market usually overreacts uh, on on news such as like like this. Uh, before uh, it kind of just uh, uh, went back up, and then see where the intrinsic value should be
0: at. Okay. So on that point, right? You mentioned that um, yeah, it has a lot of investment. Uh, some of them got hit by the regulations. Um, but that is very peculiar to, uh, to Tencent in the sense that because they made so many of these investments um, and then the Chinese regulatory risk, right, can be an ongoing problem for them. Right? Because, for example, they, they may move to like Khoishou, then Khoishou got hit, then yep, their yep, portfolio yep. get hit. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> they move to Meitoyan, they get hit as well. They, they move to, I don't know, Titi as well, they always get hit. Right? So almost <laughs> any China company, okay. they will get hit. So does that mean that, you know, uh, they will take a longer
1: time to recover? I think Tencent. I almost look it like uh, as an ETF itself. So if you're buying into the uh, Hong Kong ICS thing think tech, simple three zero six seven. Tencent Tech. Tech, right? So it, it itself, it's almost like the top thirty of uh, Hong Kong tech, which is essential, almost like a Tencent uh, in, in 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 replacement, right? Uh, which is actually a good and bad thing. A good thing, which is then of course all these. Uh, Crackdown on one particular areas will not impact them as much. Uh, so yeah, so I thought it's uh... okay.
0: So it's still uh, uh, what you're saying is that the share price maybe drop forty percent, but the valuation of their portfolio probably dropped twenty percent. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, I don't know. I
2: think Tencent is now at uh, valuation is now at the pre COVID levels. Uh, but if you think about what was cents pre COVID and what is Tencent now. Because of COVID, right, digitalization has accelerated. Uh, the company is no longer what it used to be. It's in a completely different position, now, similar to other tech companies. So, uh, being yet it's still at the pre-COVID low. So, this actually sh- uh, presents a huge opportunity to invest. Okay.
0: Yeah. Could, could it be investors are also seeing that there may be a fundamental impact to
2: their business? Do, do you see that happening? I would think that fundamental impact would be, short term most likely, there will be things that Tencent has to do to improve their business and to adhere to government regulations like uh, how under 12 cannot buy spend money Mm -hmm. on games now. Uh, This is actually not dissimilar to the Western world where I think Apple also has similar restrictions in the App Store for under 18, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, all these are just good moves where no doubt in the short term it may impact the revenues and profits but uh, in the longer term they will find ways to make up for it and they will find ways to make for it in good ways, rather than doing things like uh, anti-monopoly or uh, impacting the competition, going after competition. So that's something which I think the Chinese government is doing really well. They are trying to clean this up, and they actually will end up accelerating uh, the growth and the transition of the Chinese companies. Mm. Okay, Okay. and uh, Alibaba just announced their results, right, and
0: since Brian has a very big biggest position in that company, are you happy with the results?
1: Um. Yeah, I think it's within sure. expectations, right? Uh, so like what Alex summarized earlier, it grew by an expected over 30%, over percent. Uh, its cloud business is still growing even though they lost one customer, mm-hmm. which I think was by was TikTok. Right. Um, but I think overall, if you look uh, across the entire segment, uh, I've also attended the conference call and the, and the management also gave... Um, a very confident and guidance over this regulatory crackdown, right? Which they see as a positive news throughout, um, and also they have been uh, investing uh, all their profits, back, reinvesting back into their incremental business. So all the, the your out deals, your uh, your Lazada, and so on, they are actually uh, gaining a uh, uh, user base, and from the user base, they are trying to uh, kind of put people in their entire value chain ecosystem where people can just spend more. Uh, uh, Spend more and then be there and then invite more people and then just kind of increasing from the that, from that angle. Okay, and
0: besides the regulation, right, there are also increasingly people saying that Alibaba is facing fierce competition. You mm-hmm. mentioned JD, which invested in their competitor, biggest competitor. Yep. Then there's Meituan, there's Pingtoto, there's a lot more that are coming up, and even Toei, who wants to get into e commerce, yep. right? So, um, do you think long term wise uh, there's an additional factor to consider which is competition
1: for Alibaba? Yeah, I think e commerce is one, uh, one, uh, one factor in China which I thought was uh, uh, facing quite a bit of competition, right? especially with the, the, the your, your JD and your uh, Pintoto. Right? Uh, they are not exactly the same model itself, uh, and even in the recent uh, earnings call. Uh, the management also went on to address that by saying that uh, other companies, they obviously didn't mention who, uh, but companies who are actually uh, putting in a lot of uh, uh, advertising spend uh, in order to bring uh, their customers into their, their, their competitors' platform, uh, it's not a way uh, it's not a sustainable way to do business, right? Um, and then if you look across the past three to five quarters of Alibaba's advertising and spend, they've been constant throughout, and about like uh, eight to 10% of the overall revenue, which means to say, um, even with the competition, they are not throwing in your, your deals or your promos in order to get people to come to their Alibaba's platform and, and buy. Um, I believe they have an ecosystem uh, platform where people know the benefit, merchants know what they can offer, um, and so people who want to be there uh, is going to get the, uh, the longer-term benefit of uh, the platform itself. Okay then in that case
0: why do you invest in their biggest competitor as well jd
1: yeah so jd is uh, is also interesting because uh, uh a jd is uh, spending a lot uh, on its uh logistic right so one thing which i really like about jd uh, apart from the e-commerce was the uh, is their logistics segment so uh, their logistics segment is uh, today they have 1000 over warehouses in china uh, they are still in uh, i think we're talking about the entire China market share, they only have over 3%. So that's how uh, how segmented is the entire logistics sector in China, right? Um, and also the management has also guided that uh over the next few years uh they're actually gonna be reinvesting all of that into more and more uh their their supply chain, uh their their logistics. Uh now they can send within 24 hours, maybe even next time they can send it within like 12 hours, eight hours, we don't know, right? Uh, so I thought uh, JD has a lot more runway growth, uh, and but if you really think about the entire ecosystem of China uh, with regards to e-commerce, uh, then if uh, if China grows, then the entire e- e-commerce spending will grow at the same time. Uh, even though they can be, which consumers.
0: is part of the government goal of having that dual circulation, right? Not just reliant on export, but also yes. internal com- domestic consumptions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And and I know that you guys always discuss about China investment, right? So.
2: Brian invested in JD. Have you invested in JD? I do not have JD at the moment, but I have Alibaba, so I was uh, listening to the conference call that day as well. I think I was really impressed uh, not just by their revenue growth, but also how they have quickly uh, progressed and moved on from ad financials. So the ad financials issue was in November 2020, uh, and I think in the past few conference calls, they've already indicated um, their strategic growth plans or how they're going to spend money to get revenue. So I think uh, they were queried on the call by analysts as to where, uh, what kind of uh, results have they shown. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've actually delivered a significant revenue growth in a lot of sectors, like segments like China, like a community buy-in, uh, Cloud as well. Uh, of course, Cloud, they lost one big uh, customer, but excluding that, I think the revenue growth is also a huge number. So I think uh, one opposite from Brian, where I think that e-commerce is not really the way to go in terms of China now because it's very saturated. Uh, You don't have just uh, JD, Baba, but you have smaller companies like Pintuotatuo, VIP Shop, or companies like that are also uh, in different parts of the market. Uh, And I think there's also this uh, report that says that they expect e-commerce to grow at only about 5-6% a year for the next five years in China. So uh, Baba having the biggest market share may stand to have the most to lose. But their other segments are well offsetting and even uh, Covering for the other segments like commerce and and financials. I think that shows that the BABA management uh, Has done a really good job in the past six months. Reacted really quickly in terms of uh, Recovering from uh, these two other segments that are not performing as well. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I still have BABA uh, JD.com I view it as a smaller player Which I would love to get into at right uh, valuation uh, and also just to meet Need to see them uh, kind of evolve and grow. So they have a lot of segments as well, like JD Health, they have JD Digit, which is not listed, JD Logistics, uh, which, is, which is actually, I think, about IPO valuation now. Diamond um, brands say they have only 3% of the market share. But the issue for them is that they are still not profitable or just uh, barely breaking even in a lot of segments. Uh, the way they are going to do it is probably to try and take market share or go into uh, smaller cities. Uh, that itself is tougher, better. So uh, we always know that the big tech always benefits by being first and by controlling everything, which is why we have all these uh, regulatory issues in the first place. But it's kind of a winner-take-all game, So which is why I don't have JD at this point in time.
1: Okay. How about Ping An? Yeah, I have a I have a small part of Ping An, a small portion of Ping An. Ping An is uh, is one which is more of a very traditional kind of business, right? Yep. If you look about insurance, about the state banks, uh, from a relative valuation point of view, they are always look cheap, so they are always like trading at single, uh, single P. P. Uh, the dividends are not so bad. Uh, you get uh, paid like three to four percent while waiting, uh, but again, uh. Uh, there are problems within Ping An itself, uh, especially that now they are transforming uh, into more. So, Ping an is, uh, is something which is like a, it's, it's an insurance company, mm-hmm. but going into technology, right? Yeah. So, and it's not the other way around. So, uh, the fact that they are incorporating a lot of technology, uh, being an insurance company, they will need more time to transform. Uh, they are slowly reducing... Uh, the number of physical uh, agents, mm. uh, through uh, more online, uh, uh, online screening, online uh, registration, and and so on. Um, so so the uh, the past few quarters' uh, results uh, and and probably also the next few quarters, uh, we're likely to see uh, the results coming down or being weakened slowly. Um, but I think if we look across the uh, the longer run. Uh, again, China is uh, one player which is going to go into aging population, uh, uh, the, the entire lower and middle income is going to grow, uh, move up together with the, with the country itself. So I thought Ping An is, uh, is, is one proxy which uh, can benefit from, from the entire uh, CCP's uh, agenda push.
0: Okay, okay, and all these regulations, um, pressures, have it changed the way you approach China investments?
1: A uh, little bit yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that um, uh, knowing all this regulatory risk into play, right, uh, uh, as an investor, if today, uh, for example, um, Alibaba is uh, trading at a, at a fair value, at a, at a fair value where their intrinsic value should be, with no margin of safety, then probably I will think twice, right, because you, you never know that uh, things might, might go bad like this, like what happened. And suddenly, which will send the share price down, like a uh, valuation down by, by quite a lot, right? But again, if you look ac- uh, across what has already happened, uh, which means that the, the entire regulatory crackdown on fintech and also on e-commerce have already happened, uh, and that uh, uh, I thought now was uh, I thought now is a, is a pretty good time to kind of weigh your risk reward uh, in terms of how much further can it still fall. Uh, versus how much potential reward can you gain out from uh, this entire crackdown thing?
0: Which you think it's lopsided. It's,
1: it's gonna be, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> way one-sided, otherwise we won't be <laughs> putting a huge chunk of
2: our... Uh, yeah, similar to Brian's pretty much only got into Tencent in the last couple of weeks, I think towards the end of July. Uh, that's because uh, Tencent fell from like 775 to like you know, 430 now. So uh, obviously it's lopsided, like what uh, okay. Brian has said.
0: Okay, so so the principle of margin of safety is still there. Just that, uh, what Brian is saying is that uh, you probably want a bit more, right? Just in case some of these regulatory risks may just come out from nowhere and uh, have a big impact on the share price. Yeah. Okay, and uh, probably the last question, right, is that the, the audience who are listening to us is that uh, they'll be they'll be wondering, right? Some of them may be hesitant. Oh, should I go to China? Yeah, it looks like the risk reward ratio is very good. Um, what? kind of advice would you give them?
2: Buy the deep. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think most audiences are fundamental investors, right? So taking the fundamental approach and weighing the risk and reward, we know that there's obviously regulatory risk uh, being present uh, and may continue for a couple more months. Uh, but on the other hand, there's so much more that we have talked about in the last uh, couple Minutes and uh, I think that's why uh, that's what the investors should look at. Uh, of course, if you bought into Pingan at uh, seven hundred seventy five, then that's a different ball game where you probably have to wait a lot longer to realize your. would you suggest like averaging down? Uh, definitely at this price. <laughs> uh. In general rule of thumb is that you have you need to limit your portfolio uh, investment to a certain percentage for each shares. And then of course, the uh, general rule of thumb again is that it should average down a certain percentage okay. each time it fails, uh, providing the fundamentals still remains. So like the EduTech companies, uh, we are all not sure that the fundamentals still remain because of the fact that they have to go through a transition. We don't know what they will look up look like in a couple of months. But uh, For companies like Tencent, uh, I don't think we will see it shrinking in the next few months. More likely than not. They probably continue to grow. It might grow in different segments. So like instead of focusing so much on gaming, they might go into a cloud, for example. So we were, so that kind of dynamic will kind of support
1: the investment thesis from a fundamental perspective. Okay. Okay. About Brian. Yeah. So for me as an investors, I feel like we don't. We should not try to catch the bottom, right? Because we will never know when the bottom might be. Um, and for investors who, uh, who manage to catch the bottom, they actually have only probably uh, a one very small chunk of the volume of the portfolio, which is not, which is like uh, not moving the needle in the entire portfolio. So I thought um, if you think that the current valuations is, uh, is, is good enough for you to, to, to make a, a, a proper allocation in the portfolio, regardless of how much this is, it can be like 10%, it can be 20% depending on your um, comfort and, and risk uh, appetite. Uh, then I think today's price uh, is something which you can consider. Uh, I believe uh, uh, from a fundamental point of view, most of these Chinese tech stocks, people know that their intrinsic value and fundamentals is much higher. They are just uh, really afraid of more regulatory crackdown to come from CCP. And and to be honest, we we will not know when. Uh, no one will know when. And by the time. Uh, uh, by the time it is so obvious in the in the, in the papers to the investors eye that the regulatory crackdown is over uh, you can bet that the share price will have definitely shoot up way higher than it is today so um, i think waiting for that uh, people call that uh, waiting for things to stabilize it's not that easy right i mean if you look across the uh, every other event including covid-19 last year uh, it kind of bottomed out on the 23rd of march we are, we were still in the very peak of the COVID back then, uh, and we won't know. We won't know uh, that uh, when things are going to stabilize and, and when things are going to recover. Okay.
0: So the best opportunity happened when it is scariest, basically, much. Really <laughs> <harsh, right? laughs> okay. So thank you, Brian and Alex, for sharing their perspective. I hope it gives you a clearer picture how to approach China and you know, think about your position, your investment. And if you like the what we have shared, please like the video and. Subscribe to our channel and also visit Brian's blog, Forever Financial Freedom, and Alex's blog, Bear proud. All right, so we'll see you again. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.